Podcasting, The Final Frontier. This is the Hammer Podcast. It's 30-minute mission to rehash geeky topics, to seek out new bastions of nerdiness, to timidly go where the more talented have gone before. Greetings, and welcome to the Hammer Podcast, the official podcast of thehammerstrikes.com. My name is Gene Hendricks, and this time I'm going to talk about something that has been all over social media lately, and that would be the blog post made by Jerry Conway. There's been a lot of back and forth over this, from Conway and Neil Adams on the creator's side, as well as Dan DeDio and Jim Lee on the DC side. I'm not going to get into all of it here, but I will post links in the show notes so that you can read it all and make up your own minds. What I am going to say on the subject is that if a character is created for the comics, and said character is later used in another medium, say TV, then the creator is entitled to some sort of royalty for the use of that character. The use in that other medium goes beyond what the character was originally created for and what the creator was originally paid for, so a new agreement should be reached. It sounds like DC Comics has this agreement in place, but it was not being implemented properly in recent years. Mr. Conway was compensated for the use of Killer Croc in Batman the Animated Series, for example, for which he publicly thanked Bruce Timm and Paul Dini. The use of the characters on The Flash, though, is a little more muddy. I feel he should get the same compensation as with Croc, but there seems to be more red tape involved now. For more information, straight from the horse's mouth, I'd suggest heading over to the Fire and Water podcast and listen to their interview with Mr. Conway on the subject. And while you're at it, do a search for the hashtag Conway Crossover. That's pound sign, yes, I still call it a pound sign, C-O-N-W-A-Y-X-O-V-E-R. That's where you'll find the multitude of podcasts that are doing what I'm doing, celebrating the work of Jerry Conway. On that note, let's get to it. I'm going to be covering four, number 224 today. The cover date is June 1974. The on-sale date for your Wayback Machine is March 12, 1974. The writer is Jerry Conway, penciler John Buscema, inker Mike Esposito, letterer John Costanza, colorist George Russus, editor Roy Thomas, and the title, No One Can Stop. The Destroyer. On the cover, we see the Destroyer. Uh, for those of you not entirely familiar, that's the big armored dude from the first Thor movie. And he's got Hercules by the neck on a dock, shoving him through the boards while Thor flies up and smacks him with his hammer. The cover copy reads, If an inhuman monster can crush Hercules, Prince of Power, can even a Thunder God prevail against him? This is the Day of the Destroyer. We open the comic in an emergency room. Thor is preparing to slam his hammer down and change back into Donald Blake. Once he does, he goes over to Hercules, who is holding an immortal, who apparently Thor and Hercules have saved, but she is in critical condition. Don Blake comes up and gets Hercules to calm down, and manages to convince him that he is actually Thor. So Hercules places her on a gurney, and Blake gets prepared for surgery. While this is going on, 
we cut to a shadier side of town would be the best way to put it, where we have a doctor, Clement, who is working on the destroyer who apparently he discovered in excavation. He is convinced that he can repower the destroyer and therefore use it in whatever he wants to use it for, I'm guessing World Conquest. He shoots a high-energy laser towards it, but nothing really happens. Eventually, though, the visor on the destroyer's helmet lifts, and a glow emanates from inside. But this glow is not exactly what Clement had anticipated. This is what really powers the destroyer. He needs the soul of a living being. Guess who's he's chosen? As Clement lies crumpled on the floor, the destroyer remembers the last time he was beaten, and it was in this city, at the hands of Thor. So he smashes the wall and goes looking for the God of Thunder. Meanwhile, Hercules is wandering the street, trying to figure out what the heck to do with himself. He comes across the 47 Club, a high-end, swanky joint, and he goes in. The Major D tries to stop him, saying that a tie and jacket are required, but Hercules laughs it off, saying that is only for mortals, not for the son of Zeus. As you can expect, Hercules gets down to business and starts throwing back quite a bit of wine. It's not exactly the kind he's used to, but he enjoys it nonetheless. The patrons are not enjoying it so much. Meanwhile, Don Blake has finished surgery, and he is amazed that even though he hasn't been Don Blake for many months, that he has not lost any of his surgical skill. He is brooding, though, over the fact that he could be saving many, many lives as Don Blake, and wonders if he should give up being the God of Thunder altogether. Meanwhile, there is a disturbance at the club. The entire building starts shaking and starts to come down around Hercules. He gets all the mortals to safety and goes to face the Destroyer, who is ripping the building apart. Hercules, with his normal plum, jumps in and smacks the Destroyer upside the head. However, the Destroyer grabs his fist on the next swing and throws him into another building. The visor comes down and begins to glow. This is the signal that the Destroyer is going to fire its main weapon at Hercules. Meanwhile, back with Don Blake, he's looking over his patient, and still brooding over how it might be better if he gave up being Thor altogether, when he sees a glow in the distance, and remembers the Destroyer. He smacks his cane on the ground, becoming Thor, Master of the World's Winds, and leaps out to fly in the direction of the battle. He assumes that Hercules is involved, since he knows Hercules. He ends up at the site of the battle, and hits the destroyer from behind with his hammer, knocking it off balance. But he also gains the attention of the destroyer. While he's being bent over backwards, Thor throws his hammer, which whips around and hits the destroyer in the back, carrying it to the river, in which it gets dumped. Then it returns to his hand. Thor gives Hercules a mission. He has to go find the body of the man whose soul was trapped in the destroyer, empowering it. Hercules thinks that he's just trying to get him away from the battle so Thor can have all the glory, but Thor lets him know that the Destroyer cannot be defeated as long as that soul remains inside, so Hercules actually has the more vital mission. While this is going on, the Destroyer has managed to climb out of the river onto the dock, but Thor meets him there, and he gets a hammer to the face. The battle rages on, and eventually the Destroyer grabs Mjolnir, pulling it 
out of Thor's hand. Thor lies panicked on the dock, wondering if he will change back to Don Blake and then be destroyed by the Destroyer. Next issue, the story we call Death Blow. And that's it for this issue. Why don't we take a quick break, and then we'll come right back, and I'll let you know why I thought about it. Kalabak, Tassad, it is I, Darkseid. I command you to listen to the Who's Who podcast. Uncover the powers and weaknesses of the Super Friends, so that I may destroy them. Aquaman and Superman, Animal Man and Plastic Man, Firestorm and Nuclear Man, Batman and Hawkman, 2D Man and Hour Man. Who are all these people, man? They're all part of the DC. Who's who? Ultra Boy and Booster Gold, Lightning Lass and Hippolyta, Phantom Stranger, District and Arisia, Woozy Winks. Hey, hey, hey. What? What about that one guy? What guy? Mr. Pretzel, Mr. Lipstick, Mr. Mitzelfuzzle? Mr. Mitzi's Pitlick? Yeah, him. He's also part of the DC Who's Who. Who's Who, the definitive podcast of the DC Universe. Available monthly at Aquaman Trine, Firestorm Fan, and on iTunes and Stitcher as part of the Fire and Water podcast. Oh, hello. We didn't see you there. Welcome to Comic Book Fight Club. My name is Jif S. Fishman, Esquire. And I am Gene Theodore Hendricks. Here at Comic Book Fight Club, we sit fireside, sipping our brandy, and discussing who would win in a bout of fisticuffs with other members of the comic book Illuminati. Yes, you caught us at a good time as Kevin Smith. Stan Lee and the late Bob Kane just went on a beer and nacho run. Have you ever wondered who would be victorious in a bout? Galactus or Unicron? How about the Incredible Hulk versus the Monster Doomsday? What about G.I. Joe versus the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Or the equally important bout of the Snorks versus the Smurfs? And, of course, the titanic duel between Archie and Jimmy Olsen. And you can expect the intelligent and erudite debates to sound something like this. But I always thought Transformers fans were intelligent and literate, so they should see that Galactus has to be the winner. Like, he's hungry. Oh, I'm so <laughs> hungry. I'm going to get weaker, and, 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 and Reed Richards is going to be able to beat me. I don't know if I need to go out Rob other than... Uh... He was defeated by Parker Brothers. Oh, it's, it's I mean, back, to, back to one of Sean's points, saying he got out of the out of the Silac. You know, every time he's gotten out of that in any story, he has to get put back in it because he's a bitch. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh, ah, 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 ah. No! No! She, oh, I tap she, out! I tap out! You are a sick, out. sick man. I'm not familiar with the last one. I need. I might have to hit Google Image search here. So won't you join us for some witty discourse? A fine snuff and a tincture of sherry as we debate over these all-important matters. Here, only on Comic Book Fight Club. You can find the show at twotruefreaks.com and on iTunes by searching for Comic Book Fight Club. Please also join us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash comicbookfightclub. 
Fantasticast is your guide to the Fantastic Four from the beginning of the Marvel Age of Comics in 1961 onwards. Each week, Steve Lacey and Andy Leyland cover every issue, spin-off, guest appearance and cameo, and more. And in 2015, we begin our journey through the decade that Taste forgot, the 1970s. Join us as we take a look at... The departure of Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. The Kree Skrull War. The arrival of Marvel Team Up. Bill Murray as the Human Torch. Creators including Roy Thomas, George Perez, Marv Wolfman, Jerry Conway, Rich Buckler and John Byrne. And of course, Marvel 2-in-1. All this and more at ffcast.libsyn.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. The Fantastic Cast. Insert catchy tagline here. Wait, what? And we're back. Now, let me get this out of the way right off. The art in this book is freaking gorgeous. This is my kind of art. This is in proportion, people looking realistic, great facial expressions. John Buscema was at the top of his game here. And I, I just love everything about this as far as the art goes. Now, on to the story. I mean, this is a Jerry Conway episode. So... Let's talk about how this story proceeds. Now, I have not read issue 223. I have not read issue 225. I specifically picked one that was kind of in the middle. I didn't know what was going on. See if the Stanley principle of every comic could be someone's first works. And it does. You get enough information in here to know what has come before that's important, what's going on in the characters' heads now, and what could be coming up. So you have the explanation of Thor loses his hammer. If he doesn't get back in 60 seconds, we'll turn to Don Blake. You have the reason that they're in the hospital is that they had to save this other goddess, and they brought her here for treatment. And another thing about it is the brooding. Like I said before, when he turns back into Don Blake... Thor is wondering if he should remain there because he says that he could save so many more lives if he just used his skill as a surgeon. See, the problem here is that's an actual dilemma. It's not, oh my god, Aunt May will find out I'm Spider-Man and go crazy. No, it, this is he could save lives by being Thor and fighting these menaces. Or he could save lives as Don Blake, a man of medicine. And... It's a really, really tough choice, and he does not come to a resolution in this. But this is the kind of stuff that 70s Marvel was known for. Giving the characters these dilemmas. Making them think, should I do this? It's We're not talking Guardians of the Universe trying to trick Superman into asking whether he should be Superman or not. This is internal stuff, comes from his wanting to help people. He can help as many people as Thor as he can as Don Blake, at least in my opinion. Now, the way this story proceeds is it brings back the Destroyer, who has been in the comics before. So th this is not a first appearance to anybody, uh, except maybe Clement. I don't know if he was in it before, when they, if he was shown getting the Destroyer back. But that's why I like it, because it's not a first appearance. It's not a, well, I must have this because... It's, you know, valuable for whatever. No. 
This is valuable to me because it's a hell of a good story. It's a connecting piece, yes. It brings the Destroyer back in play, it gives Thor these uh, questions, gets Hercules out in the town, but that was never really a problem for him. But you get all this and a good dose of action too. And this, what I just went over would be a six-issue arc in modern comics. And without the footnotes, I mean, we can see, oh, well, we rescued th uh, this goddess, Krista. They got her back from Pluto. Now, that's not the, the planet or the dog. That's the, the god of the underworld for the Greeks. And she was in deadly danger, and they saved her, but she was injured, so they brought her to this hospital so that Don Blake could work on her. Now, apparently, he hasn't been Don Blake for several months, Again, I don't know why. I'm pretty sure this was in the time when he was off of Earth. He was doing more cosmic adventures, so that probably had something to do with it. If he's not on Earth, then he hasn't changed back to Don Blake. He could have his you know, hammer could be laying it for, by itself for a day. He wouldn't change back to Don Blake. It's the only way he's on Earth that happens. And also, he reveals his secret identity to Hercules, which is interesting because... Hercules is not known to be tight-lipped, so I'm wondering what's going on, really. I may just have to dig out this arc at some point to read them all, but uh, with my current reading project of starting at the beginning of the Marvel Universe and going on issue by issue, it may take me a little while, but really, for this kind of writing and this kind of art, I'll go with it. Now, we also see something else that doesn't really happen much, in modern comics anyway, there's a lot of narration boxes. And that's good, because we don't need the characters to do this. We don't need a C-3PO in the current Star Wars series to act as the narrator. We actually have an omniscient narrator who tells us what's going on, tells us what came before, and it just works so much better. I mean, without the narration, you still get the story. And just looking at the art, you get the story. You don't, and that's one of the the great things about the way these guys did the comics back then is I could take all the words out of this, I could figure out what was going on, and it's wonderful. And I really can't gush enough about this, to be honest. So I am going to uh, stop sounding like a silly fanboy, even though in this case I am. But I would encourage anyone out there, yes. We want to get the idea out of the uh, creator's rights. We want to get out that these people who put their mark on the comics industry for so long and are still doing it today. You still have these guys out there working today and they need to be compensated for it. We don't want another Siegel and Schuster situation on our hands. We want them to get what is coming to them. We know that it's not a lot, but they deserve something. And for the man that started us down this path, I would say go out, find some classic Jerry Conway stuff, find some modern Jerry Conway stuff. The man knows how to write. You will thank me. And if you have a Marvel Unlimited subscription, which is what I happen to be reading this off of, why not take a look at this arc in Thor? Uh, like I said, I'm jumping right in the middle of it, but then that's how things kind of were back then. So, I'm going to leave you here, 
and we will see you next time, and I don't know what I'm covering yet, but hopefully it'll be as fun as this issue was. Bye, everybody. The Hammer Podcast is a production of thehammerstrikes.com. Questions and comments can be emailed to gene at thehammerstrikes.com. Look for The Hammer Strikes on Facebook and Google+. Part of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network.